Okay, I'm going to ask, this is an interactive time. If you had a choice between life and you, you could choose easy or hard, which one would you choose when it comes to life? Hard. Easy. Okay, someone said hard, okay, but you're just trying to make a point harder for me. Thank you. Um, okay, how about um, um, painful or pain? Would you, would you choose your life to be full of pain or, so painful or pain is the same thing, that's why. <laughs> Whew, sinusy. I'm sinusy. Stay with me, guys. Life full of pain or life without pain? That's right, without pain. We want an easy life. In fact, we're born with that. Like I, I look at my girls, my daughters, as they, as they have to do certain things. It's like, you need to get this, this, and this done to, to be in this spot or to have this. And they always would rather have the easier way. In fact, if you think about it, if you've ever been two people leaving for a place and you're like, okay, I'll meet you there, you think you have the shortcut to get there quicker, right? Like you high five for someone getting the easier way. Like I made it quicker or I had the easier path or I figured out the shortcut to this thing or, or I figured out the quick way to get easy or to get rich and I figured out the easy way to, to make my life happy and the, the six minutes of workout that made me healthy and everything we look for is as easy as possible, as pain-free as possible. What about when it comes to the kingdom of God? Easy or hard? Hard, you seem a little hard. Feeling like I totally baited you, which I did. I'm sorry. You say, okay, how about like when it comes to, to peace and to life and to God, do we, do, we de do, do we desire an easy way to that or do we realize it, it, it's hard? We can answer this, come on. It's hard, that's right. The real big problem with that is what do we do with the fact that we realize that in our deepest sense, we want easy. But yet when we look at the kingdom of God, we realize it is anything but easy. And so what happens is we come across this, this issue in our life where it's like, I want my life to be easy and I want pain free. But really, when you look at the kingdom of God, it's full of pain and anything but easy. So how do we reconcile that? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 7, chapter 7, uh, 12 through 14. We've been working through this. So there's a simple principle first before we get into that. As you're turning there, if you need one, the ushers will pass that one as well. Is, is that, that the direction that I want to go with my life, it, it, it proves where I'm going to end. Does that make sense? So, so where I'm going is actually going to tell you where I'm going to end. Or, or maybe, maybe the better way to say this is direction, not intention, determines my destination. I can intend all day long to go this way, but if I turn my back and start walking this way, no matter how great my intentions are, no matter how hard I try to think it and will it, if I keep walking this way, that end does not end over here. And so the problem is that I can intend to be going this direction. I can want to go this direction, but if I step and I make choices and I walk this direction, I'm never going to end up over here. Some of you math people are like, well, if you do a really big circle, like, just, just pretend it's a straight line, okay? It's not going to happen. And what happens is in this section, we've been working through the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus has been laying out all of these things of what it means to have a righteousness that is, is, is truly the righteousness of God and, and what does it mean to, to follow him in, and be obedient in our prayer life and our giving and our serving. And he's, he's kind of laid out like how he really truly fulfills the law and didn't abolish it. And he's been working his way along and then he ends this Sermon on the Mount with twos. And it's really interesting because the twos he lays out aren't easy twos. He says you got this way or that way. Today it's, it's two gates. There's one gate and there's another gate. And then next week it's going to be, well, there's, there's this truth or this truth. Or, and then he's going to keep laying out all these different twos. But what he's basically saying is there is no third option. There is no third option. And I think so many of us, we want to believe that we're the anomaly. We're the few and the, 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 the most amazing one that somehow God created that we're that third option. 
And by Jesus' mouth, he's saying there's only two options. He says there's only two gates. Just let the cat out of the bag before we even get in this text. Today, Jesus says one gate leads to life and the other leads to destruction. He doesn't, he doesn't hold anything back here. He says one has hope and salvation in God. And here's the problem with both these gates is that both gates, both ways, both, both lines, no matter what you do, no matter where you sit, they both sell themselves as we end in the kingdom of God. Both will, will sell themselves. They'll say they end in the same spot, but really out in the reality, Jesus is saying, no, they end in completely different spots. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew 7. Let's read what he's talking about, and then we'll try and make sense out of this. Verses 12 through 14. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And so Jesus is saying this, there's these two gates, these, these proverbial gates sitting in front of us. And one is narrow and, and leads a really hard way, and the other one's broad and easy and leads to a very difficult spot. And both of them are there. Again, Jesus is, is saying essentially that there's two options. There's two ways. There's not some third middle ground. He uses the word enter, which I think it conveys this idea of urgency. He's saying this right now. He's saying enter now. Like do it now. Step. But, but when he says this word, and the word doesn't just mean I believe walking this way. Enter means to surrender to it. It means not only do I believe that this is the way to go, but I'm going to align my life and go this way. I'm going to submit to this way. So enter isn't just a, a, an actual step, but it's an acknowledgement that the path you're going on is the right way. So enter doesn't mean I just admire it from the outside and say I should go through that. It's this is the gate. This is the way. I acknowledge that this is the truth. And then he gives us these two different ways. So I want to define them real quick. He says narrow. The narrow gate signifies literally what we would call a wicket. A wicket is, is a very, very, very small opening in a massive wall. It's this, this teeny, teeny opening, kind of hard to see, hard to find, and it's, it's difficult. It's, it's, it pictures an obstacle standing close to each other, so meaning kind of rocks on either side. It's a very restricted way. It's bumpy. It's a path that would be almost hard sometimes to see which way you're going. The turns are different. It means less than standard width or limited in size. It actually comes from the root word in Hebrew that means to groan, this narrow gate. Luke tells us to, to strive to enter the straight, straight gate. That word strive can be translated to agonize. So the, the picture behind narrow does not sound fun. In fact, if you ask me, it kind of sounds lame and hard. doesn't sound like what my natural inclination would be to do. Like, I'm going to look at something like that. That looks hard. Where's the easy way around? Give me the shortcut. Give me the road that's easier, the one that, that we've had awesome forest servers to make a great path so we can get to where we want to go. He says, no, th there's narrow. And then he says the alternative to this lame, hard one is broad. And this broad one looks like it takes you to the kingdom. It's well-traveled. It's attractive. It's politically correct. It's not offensive. It's friendly. I think of it like fluffy bunnies, you know, soft and just squishy. And he says in this one, many find it. There's, there's lots of people walking on this way. It's an easy one to see. In fact, it sells itself as a really, really great way. But the problem is, is in these two choices that Jesus says there's a destination to both of these. 
So the destination of one, and there's a destination of the other. In fact, although they look the same, although they look like they, they mean the same thing, there's a destination. They both lead to something. And the word lead is literally what they would have used in secular, um, secular writings back in the day of someone being led to prison. Interesting, like led to a spot where basically you don't have rights. And so he's saying they both lead to one, and the broad leads to destruction. The broad leads to uh, um, separation, away from a ruin, death but not annihilation. It describes destruction in the case of utter ruin or complete loss. The idea of this word is that not that of annihilation, but that of ruined and is no longer usable for its intended purpose. That's, the, that's what this word means. The word doesn't describe the complete loss of being, but the complete loss of well-being is what this word destruction means. And he's saying the broad, the easy path, the one that, that makes sense, the one that we're most naturally inclined to walk down, that one leads to destruction. That one leads to hopeless loss of all that gives worth to existence. The Broadway is, is enticing. It, it calls to us because it's simple, it's natural, but it's very, very, very dangerous. Think about it, as a disciple of Jesus, if Jesus is saying there's two ways to go, as a disciple of Jesus, if I truly believe in who he says he is, then I would be inclined to want to tell people about this. As a disciple of Jesus, we shouldn't be known as being very, very tolerant to sin. Sin is opposition to him. Sin is, is, is in direct opposition of him. We have, like, the Bible teaches that there is a way to pay for that, and Jesus did that on the cross, but sin is a big deal. And a lot of us name our sin and, and feed it and call it our pet and don't think it's going to bite us. The world is trying to break down the walls of righteousness and get us to accept their behavior. Accept that. We should pray that God would always help us to speak out against sin. Now, that being said, some of you get really like, oh, man, that's, that's kind of harsh. That, that seems mean. Well, uh, how do we do it? And I think some of you are going to run to where you have a sign and you're going to hold up and you're going to be really, really hateful. And we'll get to that because that's not what Jesus is talking about. But these are Jesus' words. So we have to be honest with ourselves. If Jesus is who he says he is, if we really believe that he is who he says he is, then we have to add validity to his words here. We have to believe that they're true. Because if they're not, then everything kind of unravels at him. He says the other one. The other one is narrow. He says this one is, is counter to a natural inclination. It's used by Jesus as a narrow picture, it's kind of strict requirements of what's called to having a righteousness that enters. He just said in Matthew 5.20, it has to surpass that of the Pharisees and the rulers of that day. So the righteousness is, is ridiculous at the level he's asking. He's saying the narrow gate, the eternal life, that is through the narrow gate. That is where it is, and it's hard. It's, it's not easy. This gate is constraining, and, and it beset with difficulty but it ends with life. It ends with life. And so we have to answer something in ourselves, in each of us, is do we want life or destruction? Do we walk in a way that is, that is simple and easy and everything's in place and, and we never have any problems? Or do we have a life that has pain and re refining? And I just want to make sure I'm really clear on this. Following Jesus does not mean that your life is going to be horrible and everything will fall apart, but it doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect and everything goes your way. In fact, we have too many cases of the harder side when it comes to the Bible. Those that profess to follow God, follow Jesus, live a life of persecution. In fact, Jesus says if anyone, 
If any man come after me, he, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, you got to deny yourself. You got to die to yourself. That is a really harsh reality. And we generally don't like this message. And, and most of us in church will say, okay, it's, you know, uh, you know, it's tough, the message of the cross, this idea that, that the old self dies and is crucified with Christ and then is raised with him and, and this new life comes in place. Like, that seems hard and difficult, and I'm not sure that I, I signed up for that. And so instead of dealing with the fact that that seems too hard, we start minimizing what he's calling us to. We start saying, oh, you know what, we don't have to follow it, really. I, you know, I know Jesus said that, but come on, like, really? And we start trying to wrestle, which is good to wrestle, but we start wrestling with truth and trying to pull truth out and say that I'm okay because, well, you know, Jesus loves me, which is true. We don't like the message of the narrow way. John 10, 9, Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Okay, so we have Jesus now saying twice that, that he's the way. Right, he's the way. Okay, well, well, then, is there another way he's saying no? Jesus is saying no. In fact, maybe, okay, well, it's just Jesus. Maybe he's crazy. Well, let's look at what Peter says in, in Acts 4, 4, 11 through 12. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, meaning everything is built on him. Everything is hinged on him. There's nothing else that can be in place. He's the one that everything gets built on, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's on Jesus Christ. And some of us, we just want another option. We don't like the idea of, of friends that we love that seem really nice and have a great thing, but they don't believe in Jesus Christ. But, you know, we don't like the idea of, well, there's got to be another way for them. There's got to be another way because I, I just don't, my compassion doesn't seem right. Look, that compassion is birthed in you out of Christ. In fact, God said that he so loved the world that he, he did what? Sent his son to die in place of us. So the instant you and I start cheapening that, cheapening sin and saying there's got to be another way, what we're doing is we're essentially saying that the cross was not effective and what Jesus did on it. Your hostility isn't towards religion or the system. Your hostility is towards Jesus Christ. He says there's only two ways. Jesus isn't encouraging committed disciples to press on along the way and be rewarded, he is rather commanding his disciples to go the narrow way. And in the end, you'll be rewarded. See, this isn't, this isn't something, you don't get to say, I'm a disciple of Jesus, and I, you know, I've found that, that alternate path. I found that shortcut. I found the easy way out. One leads to life, and one leads to destruction. The true gate is both narrow and difficult. However narrow the path is, always is that you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, encouraging you, pushing you, leading you. So you're not alone on the narrow path. But here's one really, really big hiccup when it comes to this teaching. And I love it. I, this, this, this next, the fact that Jesus kind of tucked this in the middle of where it was, it doesn't really fit with the narrow gate. It didn't really fit with the one before, but it would fit with both. But he says this, this, this golden rule in the middle. And it's like he just kind of like turns everything upside down. See, because predominantly those of us in the church want to stand over here on theology. And we say, because I believe this is true, I can therefore hate you because you don't believe that. 
and we hide behind theology and we treat people like jerks and we, we, we don't love them and we think we're okay because we're standing on truth. The other side of that is we go to the other side and it's like, well, you know what? Jesus is love. I saw him with the woman at the well and we have all these stories of love and therefore, you know what? Truth isn't really, you know, it doesn't really matter as much. And it's, I, know, I know what it said, but let's just call it cultural differences and let's, let's start watering this down and pretend like there's no absolute truth. Both are absolutely wrong. I stand over here and I say that, then I'm saying what Jesus is saying is he's a liar. Sorry, Jesus, there's a third way. I stand over here and I hate someone because of some sin that they have or some struggle that they're going through and I, I believe that I'm justified in hating them this text ruins that, the golden rule. Jesus throws the golden rule right in the middle of this. Just think about that. Either side, no matter what, if I'm over here and I hate someone, well, do I want to be hated? No. I, I, can't, I can't land it there. In fact, the golden rule, Jesus wasn't the first one to say the golden rule. You know? Oh, no. Confucius, ancient Greek rabbis. Man, everyone said the golden rule, but it was less golden. They said it a different way. In fact, it was common knowledge. It's like, it's almost like God wrote this on the hearts of man and all of us know that something's supposed to be there, but we just couldn't get it right. And then Jesus comes in and like slaps truth on it, turns it upside down. But the way that it was normally said is what is hateful to you, to yourself, do not to someone else. What you do not want done to yourself, do not to do to others. What you avoid suffering yourself, do not afflict on others. What should not do to your neighbor, what you would not want him to do to you. All of it was done in the negative light. Everything was what you don't want to have happen to you. Don't do to someone else. And Jesus comes and says, no, 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 wait. What you want? Yeah, do that to others. And he instantly takes something that was a truth that everyone kind of understood and flips it on its head and says, no, let's just go ahead and elevate that. He makes it almost over simple, but makes it almost impossible for us to do. And that is do unto others what you want them to do to you. So tucked away in the middle of this section of, hey, there's only two ways. Let's go to the one side of the theology. I, I can hate you because you're in sin and therefore I'm justified in hating you. But to do unto others what I want them to do to me, I don't, I don't want to be hated. In fact, I want love. I want to be served. So therefore, I have to love and serve others. The flip side, over here, okay, well, I can just ignore truth and, and Jesus is just love and that's okay and everything's great, but if this is truth, if there's a broad way and a narrow way, then I don't want to end up on the broad way. I want someone to tell me in a loving, gracious, truthful way, hey, Brent, this is the broad path. This doesn't line up with scripture. You're, you, you say that you believe in Jesus, but you know, Jesus says this. So it's like Jesus throws in this kind of this blanket statement. He says, you know what he says about this? He says the golden rule, it sums up the law. Everything's there. It all sums it up. And if you think about it, it makes sense because if we were to truly start loving people, then there would be no war, no hatred, no lying, no fighting. Because if I truly lived out my life where I wanted to be treated, I, wanted to tr I would treat everyone the way I wanted to be treated, I would drastically, drastically change the way I communicate to an insurance representative on the phone. Drastically changed the way I drive. Drastically changed the way I communicate to my spouse. The way I treat my children. See, what Jesus does here is he says, look, there is only two ways. One that leads to life and one that leads to destruction. And the way that leads to life 
includes a group of people that do unto others on how they wish to be treated. So what Jesus does is he says, look, let me make it easier for you. Just do to others what you wish they would do to you. It makes it really hard in doing that as well. In fact, the only one that's ever faithfully done that was Jesus himself. In fact, he did it so faithfully, he did it all the way to the cross for you and I. You realize how faithful Jesus was at doing unto others how he wished would be done to him. He sacrificed himself so that you and I could have a right standing with him, so that we could have a narrow way, so that we could have a way that leads to life. So which road are you on? Is your road marked by ease, pain-free? Look, sometimes life can be enjoyable and fun and things are going great. But if the instant pain comes in or hardship comes in and you go, and you run the other way, you might be walking a broad road. Maybe, maybe look at some of the choices you're making right now. If you say that, that I'm gonna, I want to live a life faithful to Jesus Christ and I want, to, I want to follow him and that's the direction of the narrow path, but then you continually make decisions with alcohol or with relationships that go the other way, then your end goal is different than what you say you want. And you can intend all you want to go this way, but your direction, not intention, determines your destination. So you can't say, yeah, I love Jesus, and this is great, and he's awesome, and I, you know he's there, but I just don't need to follow him with this. See, Jesus tells us over and over and over again a full surrender to him. This does not mean we won't mess up. This does not mean at times we'll stand too harshly on, on our theology or we'll swing too far to love. This doesn't mean that we won't mess that up. What this means is it means that I surrender to him all. And so that when his spirit that lives inside of me, because I've truly surrendered to him, convicts me of, hey, you shouldn't be doing this in this relationship, I actually listen to it. When this means someone comes up and says, well, the most loving thing we can do is do away with, you know, this whole Jesus thing. We go, yeah, you know what, that is kind of harsh. Seems weird to say that Jesus is the only way. John 14, 6, Jesus says, and this text is haunting to all of us because he could have just changed one word and made it drastically different for all of us. One word, one very simple, definitive word that he uses in here, and that's the. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He goes on to say, no one gets to the Father except through me. If you'd have just changed the to a, I am a way, a truth, a life, we'd have a drastically different story. And we could say, there are three ways. There's, there's, oh, you are the anomaly. Let's just, let's accept it all and everything's great. But he says, no, I'm the way. So then the question poses to us is what, what story are you telling with your life? What choices are you making? What direction are you going? And do you believe Jesus when he says, there are two ways? Because if you believe that, then I believe our life would look a little bit differently. We would hear things about how we are to treat someone in the way that we want to treat them or the way we want to be treated, and we'd actually probably maybe start trying to apply that. We'd allow his spirit to work in us. Start following through on it. The band's going to come up, and we're going to worship some more. But I think it's important for us to say that you can't, choose a path. You can't walk on a path without leaving another path. 
I don't know if that makes sense to you. Meaning if I, if I really desire for, for my life to, to, to go in a direction that leads to life, I have to leave another path. I don't get to walk in both. I don't get to kind of, you know, ride the fence down the middle and hope I'm actually making it. It is two different paths, two different directions. So you actually have to leave one to the other. And I want to be really clear on something. I don't believe that that gate passed you by. Some of you are sitting in here like, man, I've I've been going for a really long time. Did I pass that gate 20 years ago and I'm just, I'm done? I don't believe that. I believe that, that, that God knows where you are. He knows who you are. And he knows what you need and that's Jesus. And so that gate can be yours today to start walking in a narrow way, surrendering your life, recognizing that I am going to have a life that will include pain and difficulty. But man, after I persevere, it's amazing what he does to our faith. So would you consider yourself walking on the path, the narrow path, or the broad one? Where do you want to end up? Let me pray. Father, I, I love you, and I thank you for um, your truth. Uh, forgive us for maybe trying to put a third way in there. Forgive us for trying to add a third option. God, forgive us for... Um, for landing too harshly on truth and justifying our hatred towards people. I forgive us for running to the term of acceptance and never really, and minimizing your truth, God. God, you are not in either of those. You are 100% truth, full of grace. And so I pray that you would give each of us the spirit of um, surrender. Life where we could truly surrender to you the, the way that, God, that we would recognize that, that hardship sometimes is the best way you make us more like your son, Jesus Christ. And that sometimes through pain is, is as difficult as it is, it's amazing how, um, how strong you are when we are weakest, God. And so I pray for each of us in this room, I pray that we wouldn't just hope we're walking on the narrow path, but that we would actually start making steps and choices to walk, to enter now through that gate, God. To walk in a way knowing that you are stride with us. You are, you are leading us with your spirit. We aren't on our own. And in that, God, would you help us to understand how to, to live out what it means to treat others the way that we wish to be treated. God, I pray that in that, that we would be a group of people, community, not making much of, of Rev 22's name, but much of your son, Jesus Christ's name. In the way that we, we live on truth, we surrender to truth, but live in love. Where we realize that we can actually love someone when we disagree with them. We can actually act on that. Jesus, you set the bar so high. You tell us to love our enemies, to love those who persecute us. May we surrender to that, God. May we be in a spot where people would persecute us. Will you give us an opportunity to love our enemies? And would you bring incredible glory to yourself? as we do that. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.